This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If it scares you, it might be a good thing to try. Seth Godin. But they're not, they're like not experiences that you can just have in everyday life. It's a very big thing to go through and to accomplish. And so after I did that, I just had this, <laughs> I just wanted to go hike more trails <laughs> because I fell in love with it and just hiking, um, backpacking and stuff and living with everything that you need on your back. It's very simple and rewarding. It's a, you feel very accomplished when you do it and just getting to go to a different place every single day, see new things every single day. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's, it's way better than just living the same day, every day, working and paying bills and stuff. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
All right, let's get to this week's guest, a young woman who has hiked the AT and has had her life changed forever. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Kaylin Brown. How's it going, Kaylin? Good. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very nervous, though. <laughs> oh, don't be nervous. It's just you and me talking. There's nobody listening to this. It's just you and me. Don't worry about this. Uh, now, Kaylin, you've done the AT, mm-hmm. the Appalachian Trail. Yes. Okay. And how old are you? Um, right now I'm 21. I was 18 at the time. Oh, wow. Wow. It was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested to hear the female perspective on this because I did talk to scrapbook a couple of years ago. Um, he's actually a student who, who went to school in the area where I live. Like we didn't know this until we actually got on and we started talking, but as, as he went through his senior year, he was, you know, his friends were dreaming about their gap year or going to Europe or doing this or doing that. And he was dreaming about the PCT. And so <laughs> he convinced his mom to drop him off down in Mexico by himself at the age of, I think, 17 or 18 to hike the yeah. PCT. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about what your experience was at that time. And we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that in just a little bit. Um, right. On the AT, did you pick up a trail name? I did. It was Moxie. 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 Okay. And tell us how you ended up with Moxie as a trail name. So do you know what the the definition of Moxie is? It's like you've got, you got spunk. You got a little bit of fire in your belly. Yeah. So it was half that and half um, the fact that it's a soda, a drink from Maine. And so it was the first week in Georgia and I was at um, some trail magic in a gap. I think it was Tonight, uh, Tennessee Gap or something, but um, there was a family there, the Corey family, and they are all from Maine. And um, the trail angels that were doing the trail magic offered to slack pack everybody over the last mountain of the day to the campsite because there was another gap. And I was like, no, I'm going to carry my pack because I want to be a purist and I don't want to slack pack. So I was the only one who actually carried <laughs> their entire pack over that last mountain. And so the family, um, the dad, Marcus, he was like, girl, you've got moxie. And he was also from Maine. So he was like, and it's a soda from Maine. So it kind of fits. <laughs> nice. That's a great story. I, now you yeah. are from, you are from Maine. You're calling in from Portland, Maine right now. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> nice. Now you yeah. said that you're a purist. Define for us. What, what is a purist? What, what's your definition I, of a purist? Um, I, I was, I'm not a purist anymore, but you, start, you started like, off as a purist and, yeah. then, and then you became a realist. Yeah. <laughs> Basically what I thought a purist was, was somebody who just carries all of their stuff the whole way, like every single mile, um, without slack packing or just carrying a day pack and having someone else transport your stuff. So that's kind of what I considered a purist and like having a continuous footpath and all that fun stuff. Um, I did end up having a continuous footpath, but I did slack pack a few times and I'm glad I did. <laughs> nice. That, that's, that's kind of like, yeah. that's like glamping, isn't it? Yeah. And hiker and hiker way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now we started off the podcast, uh, welcoming dirt bags and hiker trash. Do you consider yourself either one of those? Yes. Yes. Which one or both? Both. <laughs> both. Okay. Very good. Now, uh, the reason I asked you about your your trail name is because we we typically go by trail name on the podcast. So mm-hmm. from this point on, I'm going to call you Moxie, if that's okay. 
Awesome. I love that. I miss it. <laughs> yeah. Do you encounter that in regular life very much? Um, only if I see old trail friends or people that have hiked other long trails, they'll ask me what my name is and then they'll start calling me that name, which is kind uh -huh. of fun. Um, I also used it on another shorter trail. So that was kind of nice to have as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, my, I don't really get called Moxie very often anymore, but I still consider it to be like my second, my second identity almost. Mm -hmm. My, my adult children have gotten to calling me doc instead of dad. So that's, that's kind of nice. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> now, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast? I haven't. Oh, <laughs> been crazy lately. <laughs> okay. So you have, you have no idea what you're in for tonight then. Nope. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I wanna, <laughs> so I want to give you the heads up that at the end of the episode, we have a segment called the pro tip inside of the week. And that's where okay. I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised. Okay. Okay. Now you're expected to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you will be <laughs> on the hook for the official one at the end. Oh, okay. I'll try. Don't use it all up too, too soon. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. All right. The must bring gear review. Hey, Moxie, another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, such as the Appalachian Trail, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So, Moxie, what's your, what's your must bring piece of gear out there? What do you have to have? Should it be other than um, like the big three, something like smaller? Yeah. You know what? I open this up to whatever you want to share. It's been, it's been yeah. people have listed shoes. They have listed their camera. They've, they've gone all kinds of different directions with this. So it's totally up to you. Okay. Um, a little massage ball. Like I used um, a Rology ball. They're like cork massage balls. And mm -hmm. um you can literally like roll out any muscle with that thing. And it's super light. You can stick it anywhere. I had major arch issues at one point, And that thing was literally the only thing that was saving my feet. So definitely one of those or an umbrella. <laughs> okay. An umbrella because of all the rain. Oh yeah. Only on the, the AT or I guess if you're out West too, for the sun. Um, yeah. I've had a, I've had a number of people. Talk about having it for sun out, in, out on yeah. the PCT. I had it on the Colorado Trail. I believe it was a Six Moon Designs one. Mm -hmm. And both on the AT and the CT, it was a lifesaver. It just kept, like, it keeps you sane when you're not being hit in the face with rain or having the sun melt your face off. So Right. And I really like the idea of that cork ball because uh, I've had a number of people talk about shoes, make sure they have the right shoes, whether that's a particular boot that they like or trail runners, because if, if the feet aren't happy, then the rest of you is not happy. You, there's no way you can enjoy a 20 exactly. mile plus uh, hike if your feet are in pain. So that's great. Right. Okay. Hey, to help us talk a little bit more about gear and then to also help me assess what your sanity level is, we've got something we call it's the hiking pole. The hiking pole. And that's pole P-O-L-L, -L, like a survey, not P-O-L-E, like the thing you carry in your hands out there. 
Okay. So this is, these are, these are seven questions that I'm going to ask you. That's going to help me give you a score from one to a hundred on the sanity scale. Okay. All right. With one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. Now you have to know right off the bat that there is an automatic 25 point deduction for anybody who's completed one of the American long trails. So your highest possible score at this point is 75 because we already know you're a little bit crazy. Okay, cool. All right. If I were to ask your, if I were to ask your friends and family, hey, what, uh, where would you put Moxie on the sanity scale? What, what number do you think they come up with? Uh, maybe. Wait, on the scale, are we doing like percentages or like one to between one and a hundred? Now it's one hundred. Okay, seventy-five. Okay. Where the maybe higher like... the, the higher the number, the 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 more sane yeah. you are. Yeah, I would say like maybe a thirty-five or forty-five. Oh wow! Okay. You're a little bit crazy. Okay. Well, let's get to this. You have no idea what I'm going to ask you. Do you? Okay. No. You haven't you haven't heard these questions before? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, scared. Are you nervous? Good. Good. Yeah. You're supposed to be. Now, my my scoring, it's completely subjective. It's just whether or not I agree with your choice. It's not based on any kind of scientific study or anything like that. It's just my opinion, okay. which, you know, this is my podcast, so I get to do that. <laughs> okay and okay. instead of just a single word answer we we also value your your explanation of your answer so sometimes i can completely disagree but maybe maybe you can persuade me with you know your your rationale behind your answer okay All okay right. we're, we're okay. going to start off easy this is this is good right. ready question yeah. number one trekking poles or no trekking poles trekking poles 100 <laughs> percent 100% no pause, no pause, immediate answer, <laughs> trekking poles. And why yep. is that? Uh, knee problems and ultralight tents. You can set them up with your trekking poles. And they're just, they help you keep balance. When you're crossing streams and stuff, you can use them and keep your balance. They're mm -hmm. like two, two more legs, pretty much. That's right. More part, more points of contact with the ground. That's that's better when you're going over terrain like that. If you have to cross a river or you're you're on maybe some steep terrain. Now you said knee problems. Do you have knee problems, or it just this just prevents knee problems from happening? Oh, I have knee problems. Oh, really? <laughs> I think from the AT. <laughs> um, but yeah, literally the whole AT, my knees were always doing something, um, and I was very thankful to have trekking poles, and then all the hiking that I've done after the AT mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Hiking poles. <laughs> okay. So far, so good. No, no major point deductions yet. I'm doing fine. Cool. Okay. Question number two, what's on your feet, boots or trail runners? Or are you one of those rare breeds of barefoot hikers? Oh gosh. No trail runners, <laughs> trail runners. And what kind do you, what kind do you like? I like ultras ultra, um, Oh my gosh, it's been so long. Lone Peaks, there we go. Lone Peaks, there you go. <laughs> or um, Hoka's. Those seem to be had... the two most popular brands out there. Those are the ones yeah. that are mentioned most often. For sure. Yep, I think they are. They're definitely the most popular. They're so comfy. Yeah. And how, how many pairs did you go through on the AT? I went through five pairs of Ultras on the, the AT. Wow. And they were, I think they were all Lone Peaks. Pretty much the same shoe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number three, when it comes to your shelter system, are you a tent person, tarp, hammock, 
bivy or hey, let's just let's just go cowboy camping. Uh, tent or cowboy camping, not cowboy camping for an entire trail, but it's fun to do often. Um, but definitely a tent. Mostly because I'm a slide uh, side sleeper, so I don't think I could ever sleep in a hammock. And yeah. then I take mm-hmm. the best naps in a hammock, but I can't I can't sleep yeah. through the night on a hammock. I don't know what it is. It's, it's yeah, just weird. it's a weird position. <laughs> yeah, <like> that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now you mentioned trekking poles are good for trekking pole tents. Do you have a trekking pole tent? I do now. I have uh, the Z Packs Duplex. Mm-hmm. But on the AT, I didn't have the duplex. I just had, um, I started off with a big Agnes ca- uh, tiger wall, I think. And then I ended up with an L.O. Bean single person tent, still like double wall. Um, that also needed, that needed one pole. So it wasn't as much, but then I went to an ultralight tent and use both poles to hold up the tent. So, right. Right. Now Z-Packs is also a popular choice out there. That's one of the, probably the, the top three brands I consistently hear is uh, the Z-Packs yeah. duplex. Yeah. Now, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to making a decision between being in the tent or cowboy camping, what, what, what criteria are you looking for? Whether or not it's up on a mountain, <laughs> I don't really want to cowboy camp if it's just in a valley and in a forest. So if there's a good view or if it's on a ridge where it's close to a good view and I'm expecting to wake up early and um, hike for sunrise to that view or something, or if the weather's good, if it's going to be a clear night and there's going to be stars, um, if it's warm out and if other people are doing it, it's more, it's more fun to cowboy camp with friends. Kind of a social thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. What'd you say? Oh, just mostly if there's like a good view or if I'm getting up to go, um, hike sunrise for a good view. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Question number four, when it comes to sleeping, are you a sleeping bag fan or do you have a quilt? I have a quilt. Well, okay. For the East coast, I'm a sleeping bag fan (laughs) for the West coast quilt fan. (laughs) Okay. And, and why is that? I found that my quilt on the East Coast didn't keep me as warm. It might have just been because I was hiking in the fall, doing a little backpacking trip, and it was more cold. I'm not really sure, but it just seems to be more um, like the air is more moist on the East Coast, has like more humidity. So um, my quilt didn't work as well, but out West, it was great. And I was warm every night and it stayed dry. But on the Appalachian Trail, I very much preferred having my my sleeping bag, like a synthetic sleeping bag. Um, but I know a lot of people use down quilts and stuff on the 18 and are just fine. So it's personal preference. But for some reason, I always get a lot of condensation in my tent, especially out here on the East Coast. So I like to have a synthetic <laughs> sleeping bag. Okay. And if, what, what is your recommendation for a sleeping bag and also a quilt? Do you have a preferred brand? Sleeping bag? I haven't actually gotten a new one or done much research on in a long time. Uh, on the AT, I did use just a REI 
brand 20 degree sleeping bag. And that worked great. It was a tad bit heavy. It wasn't ultralight or anything, but it was fine. And it packed down really small for, um, my quilt. Oh, I can't remember. The, oh, hammock gear, which is ironic because I don't use a hammock, but their top quilts are actually universal. So you can use them for ground camping as well as hammock camping. So I got a, a quilt from them and it's a 10 degree. It's so cozy. I still use it all the time, even just in everyday life. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Question number, what are we on? Question number five. This is an important question, Moxie. Opportunity okay. for a huge point deduction here, depending on how okay. you answer. And of course, you're going to answer the truth. You're not going to answer how I how you think I want to hear it. You, you okay. What you actually do. So when it comes to food out there, are you are you a stove person? Do you cold soak or do you go stoveless? I'm a stove person, but I did try cold soaking for the summer and I enjoyed it, but even a hint of cold weather and I need a stove. <laughs> so you tried it for a summer. How long is a summer? How many, how many times did you cold soak? Do you think? It was probably two months on the AT. So I think maybe like June and July. Oof. And I, it was kind of boring. Um, it didn't taste as good, like dinners and stuff, pasta size and ramen and oats and stuff. Just, it wasn't as good, but mm -hmm. um, I was interested to see if it made a difference in my pack weight or convenience of just making meals and stuff. Um, but I very much prefer having a stove. <laughs> Yeah, two months. You gave it a valiant attempt. I mean, that's that's a a long tryout period, and yeah. oh man, it, it's especially if you're hiking with somebody else who does have a stove, you kind of get jealous, right? You have kind of stove yeah. envy. Yeah, on the on the CT, I was hiking with two girls, and one of them didn't have a stove, and she was always a little bit jealous of uh, my hot meal and my friend's hot meal. And we would kind of share with her. We would like take a bite of her cold one to see what it tasted like and then give her a little bit of ours. So yeah, you definitely get jealous, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially when you're that hungry. Yeah. All right. Question number six, is life better above or below the tree line? Oh, above for sure. Oh, that's, that's a good solid answer right there. Way better. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, last question. What's more important to you, pack weight or luxury items? Are you looking to cut grams and ounces anywhere you can? Or you know what? It's okay to pack a luxury item uh, so you don't have to suffer so much out there. Which way do you go? Luxury item. Okay. And yeah. what is what what are your what is or what are your luxury items out there? Um my umbrella, if you consider that one a luxury item. I like to carry a little journal. Um Oh, I, I carry a pretty big battery pack because I use my phone a lot and I take a lot of photos and videos and I like to share on Instagram and stuff. So I'm usually on my phone quite a bit. So I need a bigger battery pack. So that's definitely a luxury item. <laughs> and sometimes a sit pad, depending if I'm mm -hmm. carrying um, like a foam sleeping pad or an inflatable one. If I'm carrying an inflatable one, then I'll carry a sit pad too. And... You know, I went on a I went on a short trip with a buddy of mine named Yahtzee, and mm -hmm. he had a sit pad. And I made fun of him the first few days about that sit pad, about how bougie that was, and what a, <laughs> what, a what a luxury life he has. And yeah, and then he he uh, 
he was he jumped in the in the water somewhere and I borrowed his sit pad to sit while while he was in the water. And you know what? That that made some difference. That was that was yeah. uh, that was nice. I, I had to stop making fun of him. <laughs> um would it make me more insane to say that for my sit pad, I actually just cut off the end of my foam sleeping pad because yes, I'm, that's, I'm, that's I'm another, short. That's, that's so, another two points off. Yes. I, I'm short, so I don't need a full length foam sleeping pad. So I cut off like two or three panels from the end and then I just fold that up and like stick it on the outside of my pack somewhere. And then that's my sit pad. So technically I'm only carrying the weight of one item, but I'm using it for two different purposes. Right. That's not a luxury item. You're carrying a sleep pad. You're just carrying it in two different pieces. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Heck yeah. All right. So I have to take your answers and I need to put them through the, the John Freaky Mirpod algorithm. <laughs> we have to do a little okay. math here. Uh, so okay. give, give me just a minute. I have to, let's see, I got to carry the three. We're going to divide by pi, multiply <laughs> by root two, and we're going to adjust for the temperature at the top of McAfee knob in July. And <laughs> I come out with a solid score of 42 for you. Woo. I'm proud 42. of that. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. You, that's a badge of honor right there. <laughs> I'm going to like write that number down and like stick it on my wall or something. You have to put on a hat, wear the hat around. Yeah, that's my new, that's my new lucky number. 42. It'd be, it'd be Moxie and then 42 underneath it. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Trademark. Done. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Hey, Moxie, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Uh, let's hear your origin story. How, where'd you grow up? What's your background? Brothers, sisters, family. And how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? Because, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people who are typically in their, 30s, 40s, 50s on the podcast here. You know, mm -hmm. you are you are a rare breed. Um, I'm talking to people in their early 20s. And so I, I love to hear how you got involved at such an early age. So where, where'd you grow up and, and how'd that go? Okay, so I did grow up here in Maine in a little small town about an hour and a half north of Portland. And my family has a camp up in Millinocket or near Millinocket, Maine, which is where Baxter State Park is. So just growing up, we would go up there all the time. And my family was pretty outdoorsy, not in the hiking sense, but we would go camping and kayaking and um, they were into like hunting and biking and stuff. So we were just, we were always outside. And my, since my family had that camp, I kind of knew about Mount Katahdin and Baxter, but not a whole lot. And the only thing that I really knew about it was um, from that book, Lost on a Mountain in Maine, which is about Don Fendler getting lost on Mount Katahdin at age nine or 11 or something. And that scared me. I was like, there's no way I'm hiking that mountain. My dad asked me if I wanted to, and I was like, no way, I don't want to get lost. There's no trails, blah, 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 all this. And I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13, I think maybe 14 at the time. Um, but after a year or two or three, I learned a little bit more about it. And so my dad convinced me, we went hiking, we did Mount Katahdin. And that first summit was like my real, um, like my first real time hiking a mountain. I had never really hiked a mountain before <laughs> or not even a small one. So it was kind of a big one to start with. <laughs> Yeah. But I remember I remember getting to that first viewpoint um, where I could see out and I started crying. <laughs> and I was like, it's so beautiful. 
Um, and then when we got to the top, I was just in disbelief the whole time. And I read the sign and it said, you know, Northern terminus of the Appalachian trail. And I was like, Oh, that, what's that? I don't, I don't know. Did some research when I got home and yeah, that, I think that's where the spark kind of like got ignited. <laughs> so how old were you when that happened? I was 16, 16. or no, 15. Cause it was in 2016. Okay. So what I love about that story, Moxie, is this the fact that you live in Maine, which is by the northern terminus of the AT. You you've got Katahdin basically, not in your I don't know how far you were from it, but I'm gonna say in your backyard compared to the rest of us, right? <laughs> right. You've got Katahdin really close to you. And so it already it, it it it's in my mind, as you as you're describing that, I'm thinking that maybe this is uh, achieve some kind of mythic quality in your mind. And then you read a book as a kid about this <laughs> this other kid who gets lost on Katahdin, and so the, kind of the myth grows even larger. And then you're able to hike it with your dad, and mm -hmm. it, it's like uh, just this culmination of um, imagination about about Katahdin, and then getting actually getting to do it, which is very very cool. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting because I did have that image of what it would be like from the book because books create images in your head and since I was so young I literally had no clue what to expect and then going there for the first time and actually hiking it was pretty surreal and it was awesome and I fell in love with Baxter immediately mm -hmm. now I understand that you've hiked it more than once <laughs> a little too many times <laughs> How many times have you hiked Katahdin? Uh, 17 now. <laughs> 17 times. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And um, in all different conditions or different types of the year? I mean, have you seen the mountain in, in different different aspects like that? Yeah, so definitely all types of weather. And I did it once in the winter with a group um, from the college that I went to. So that was, that was crazy. That was um, full on mountaineering, like crampons, ice axes and snowy conditions at the top. It was an experience. Um, but during the summer and fall, I've definitely experienced all types of weather up there. Um, ice, wind, 70 mile an hour winds, uh, super sunny and no wind at all. Hot, cold, hot and cold on like the same hike, <laughs> it changes so much. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Now some people have spirit animals. I, I imagine that you have a spirit mountain and it's called Katahdin. It seems to me that that seems to be an anchor in your life. <laughs> I really love that mountain. It's, it's really special. And I have had a few like more on the spiritual side experiences with people on the mountain. So it, it means a lot. It's yeah. Okay. Now, what are you doing these days? Are you in college? I'm not. I was for a couple of years, but I ended up dropping out and I'm just working full time in Portland now and paying the bills and living in an apartment until I can find my next adventure. Okay. So are you, are you one of those who, who works to finance your next adventure? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Lately, it's been a little bit harder because, um, I don't really know what to do next. And I have this apartment that I'm paying for. So I'm starting to realize how hard it is to actually save up for a big adventure because I am only 21. So saving up money was a little bit easier when I was a teenager and 19 and 20 versus now more bills are piling up. So I'm starting to realize that it's going to take longer to save up. And that means 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to do something next year or the year after, but I'm hoping that's, that's the goal. That's why I want to work and save up money. So yeah. Having, having an apartment, having more overhead that, uh, that puts a dent in things. Yeah, for sure. And so what do you, what are you doing to pay the bills? What kind of job do you have? Right now I'm working at a, <laughs> ironically enough, a main made like gift shop in downtown Portland. So it's a, it's called Lisa Marie's Made in Maine. And basically they work with hundreds of artists, local Maine artists who sell their products there. So everything is made locally and by a different artist. And it's really, it's really unique and special because it's not just stuff that is coming from factories in China or something. Mm-hmm. So everything what's is the, different. What's the name of the shop again? Lisa Marie's Made in Maine. Lisa Marie's Made in Maine. And it's in the town of? Portland. Portland. So if you're in yep. Portland, stop by Lisa Marie's Made in Maine, buy something there and give Moxie <laughs> a big tip so she can help uh, you can help her finance her next big trip. <laughs> Come say hi. Come say hi love, to Moxie. I love seeing hikers and talking to people. <laughs> now, any brothers and sisters, Moxie? Yep. I have an older brother. He's 25 and he lives not too far from here in Biddeford, which is just a little bit south. Okay. And is he also a big through hiker, like his little <laughs> sister? We are pretty much complete opposites. <laughs> he is not a very outdoorsy person at all. He is a homebody. He has a dog. And yeah, we just have very different interests. No, I, you know, I always find that a little bit funny because I know, I know that brothers and sisters can be, you know, have different interests, but it, it's always funny to me when you have somebody who is a big outdoors person like yourself and they have a sibling who is like, no, nope, no way, not doing that. That's, that's just nuts. Uh, yep. That's pretty much how he thinks. And also how the rest of my family thinks they're like, nope, no way. That's crazy. You're crazy. You wild child. Like, <laughs> Now, even though they're not interested in that or don't want to get involved in that, what what do your parents think of you doing the Colorado Trail and the Appalachian Trail? What, what was their what was their perspective on that? The Appalachian Trail, they were not okay with for quite a while before before it happened because I was 17 when I was coming up with the idea and asking them if I could do it. And they were like, no way, you're way too young. You can do it after college or something. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That's probably a better idea. And then I, you know, like 17, 18, um, they just come home one day from, from the grocery store and they're like, Hey, if you want to do the Appalachian trail, we just want to let you know that like, we'll support you. And if you want to do it after high school, you can, and you know, we'll help you out as much as we can. And like, we're really excited for you. We think you should do it. All this amazing things. And I just like started tearing, broke down. I literally broke down in the kitchen because I was so excited and so happy Um, but they were absolutely terrified. Like the whole time (laughs) they were going to make me carry like a big thing of bear spray on the AT. They wanted me to carry a gun. Like most people did. Um, obviously I was able to talk them out of that specifically the bear spray. And yeah, they were very nervous the entire time that I hiked the AT. They did come to visit me a few times in different States but towards like the middle and end of it, they seemed to be getting more comfortable with it <laughs> since I was getting closer to home. And then on the CT, I mean, they worried, but like they weren't nearly as scared because they knew that I was capable of doing something like that. 
Right. Now, Moxie, what do you think? Why do you think they had such a change of heart? I mean, they seem to be kind of like, <laughs> no way, this is not going to happen. And they just come home from the grocery store and, and say, all right, go ahead. I mean, what, what do you think happened there? I honestly don't know. I think it was just the passion that I had for it. And they could see that because even with other things in my life, I've always been very passionate about and dedicated. So I think with the Appalachian Trail, they could see how excited I was and how motivated I was to do it and like save up money and do my research. And they know that when I want to do something, like I'll put my heart and soul into it and I'm not just going to quit they i i don't know what changed for them yeah but that's kind of my guess <laughs> okay and when when you started the appalachian trail did were you, were you doing it with friends or is this a solo adventure by yourself and you're just going to meet people on the way it was completely solo wow yeah wow, that's <laughs> impressive that that's as a parent i would be scared as well but uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't blame them. I understood. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah. re really, it was just you, you had them drop you off or you got down to Springer and you're just walking home, right? You're yeah. Just, you're just yeah. walking home. Just happens to be a couple thousand miles away, but you're, you're going to walk there. <laughs> yeah. When they when they dropped me off in Georgia, it was the hardest thing to watch them drive off, even for them. Like I was crying watching them drive off as I as I started hiking Um. Amicola Falls. And then they had called me later that day saying that they were bawling their eyes out as they were driving away because they they drove me down to Georgia and then had to leave me there and drive all the way back home without me knowing that they left their daughter in the woods in Georgia. <laughs> you know, it, I feel it, bad. It, it kind of feels like a, you know, parent of the year award moment that you're, they're letting you do this. But then it also is like, you're the worst parent in the world, leaving your kid in the woods. And I'll, I'll see you in a few months. Yeah. I think that's how they felt. I felt bad for putting them through that. Torture, torture. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about that hike and some of your other adventures out there. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. 
This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Kaylin Brown, aka Moxie. And when when we left, before we heard from those great advertisers for the, the John Freaking Mirror Pod, uh, when, we, when we left the first segment, her parents had just dropped her off in the woods and and had driven away. Um, what were you expecting in terms of the AT? Was this your first big through hiking experience? Yeah, I had only done one overnight backpacking trip before that. So it was definitely new. <laughs> um, I don't, I kind of knew what to expect, but I wasn't sure. Like I, I had watched a lot of YouTube videos and stuff, but obviously those are just like the highlights kind of. So really everything in between, like all of the milestones and exciting moments and stuff. That's what I wasn't sure like what to expect with and stuff. Um, mostly what surprised me was just like in between all those moments, how much time you spend just walking. And I was like, wow, in, in all those YouTube videos, you really don't realize how much walking there is <laughs> because it seems like they're just always like reaching all these crazy milestones and seeing all these beautiful places. But in between all those beautiful places is a lot of green tunnel and a lot of crappy trail sometimes, a lot of pain. And yeah, I was not expecting that. I wasn't yeah. expecting it to be as hard as it was. It was way harder than I thought it would be. Big difference between reality and what you see on social media or even yeah. on, on YouTube, right? Because exactly. you're right. You see, you see the highlights, you see the, the glory moments and you don't see all of the, the, uh, the sucky moments in between. Yeah. <laughs> now what what kind of research had you done to prepare for this just a lot of youtube videos and youtube videos articles mm -hmm. um podcasts so many things i remember yeah literally books um anything that i could watch or read or listen to mm -hmm. i was yeah <laughs> okay. i was obsessed with it <laughs> now what uh were you worried at all? Were you worried at all in terms of being an 18 year old female out on the trail? 
No, surprisingly, no, because I feel like now if I go hike a trail, I do worry. But back then I, I wasn't scared at all for some reason. Like the nerves started to hit me the day before the hike, but starting the hike and then all of the time beforehand, I was just excited. That's literally all. I was psyched. <laughs> but once you were on the trail, you got nervous? No, once I got on the trail, um, I was still super excited because I was okay. just so happy to, I was so happy to be starting it because I had been dreaming about it for so long. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, it didn't feel real. I was so excited. <laughs> um, like I said, I was sad to say goodbye to my parents, but that was a little bit different from being excited to get on the trail and go. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do, let's do some numbers here. When did you start the trail? April 1st. Yes. April 1st. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when did you finish? September 28th. <laughs> so it was like three, two days, three days under six months. Okay. And so yeah. what was your average pace then? How many, what was your average day? How many miles? <laughs> if you do the average for the whole trail, I think it came out to like 12 or 13 a day. Mm -hmm. um, because I started out pretty slow, ended pretty slow, but I had a lot of mid 20 days, I would be like in the middle, kind of like everyone else, but right. I never, I never really did any crazy 30 mile days. <laughs> Those weren't for me. <laughs> right. Did you do a number? How many, how many zero days did you have? Ooh, I didn't count those, but I would try to take one every week or two. At least if not a zero, then a Nero every week. Okay. Now you started off alone. Did you quickly fall into some, uh, some friends out there and, and meet some new folks that you spent um, a lot of time on the trail with, or it was it just kind of uh, hit and miss out there? So the first week or so I was surrounded by like a lot of people that I kept seeing over and over again. And then for the first half of the trail, after like that first week or two, everyone kind of started spreading out a little bit. So I wasn't really like hiking with anyone in particular. I wasn't with a tramley. I just kind of kept hopping back and forth between groups of people every couple of days. And then for the second half, I literally like at Harper's Ferry, which is close to the halfway point of the trail. I started hiking with two people, Joe and Taryn. And then we hiked pretty much the second half together up until the Bigelow's ish of Maine. And then I actually ended up switching back to some of the first people that I met on trail, like the first night and then hiked with them the rest of the way. And we ended up parting ways in the hundred mile. And then I finished by myself. So I started by myself and finished by myself, but in between I was with like two groups of people, I'd say. Okay. Now, while you were out there, did you run into a favorite trail name? Favorite trail name? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there are so many. Hard to remember now. There's so many. Um, my mind is drawing a blank. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. There's like hundreds. Uh, yeah. It's hard to like pick one. Um, well, that's okay. Yeah. We can come back to it. If it comes to you, just blurt it out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, favorite a favorite uh, memory from the trail from the AT yeah oh, so many um 
I would have to say Smoky Mountains, probably. That was a really special place. And I had always kind of wondered what it would be like to go there before the AT. And getting there while hiking the AT, it was like my first reminder of home because you see the evergreens for the first time on the trail and it reminded me of Maine and it made me very emotional and also happy. And it's also just a beautiful place. Like the mountains are so rugged looking and sharp and um, yeah, it was like the first real wilderness that I felt on the AT. Nice. Now, Moxie, yeah. your, your name is very well suited to you. you you've got that spunk to you. It seemed like you got that fire, that enthusiasm, that positive attitude. Did you ever find yourself out on the AT wondering, what the heck am I doing out here? Did you, have, did you ever have any low moments out there? I had low moments where I didn't want to hike, but I never thought about quitting. I never said to myself, you know, why am I even doing this? that thought never crossed my mind. And I don't know how, because there were a lot of like down moments and sad days. And um, yeah, but those were just days where like, I just wanted to go into town and I just wanted to take a day off, but I never once thought about quitting because I was so determined to do it. And I was so passionate about it. I was like, I'm, I'm going to hike this thing. <laughs> and I wanted to the whole time. It's not like I ever stopped wanting to through hike. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever encounter any type two fun out there? <laughs> so much type two fun. Anytime it rained, anytime my feet were hurting, my knees, I injured my knees twice and um, had to like hike through the pain and that was awful. Uh, Pennsylvania rocks were type two fun for me. And then the cold, the cold in the, the very beginning and then the very end was not fun. I'm not a, like, I hate the cold. I hate the cold so much. <laughs> I don't do well in cold temperatures. So I get very grumpy, <laughs> but yeah. Um, other than that though, I know a lot of people have like type two fun in the whites sometimes because there's a lot of exposed ridges and stuff. And if you get bad weather, then it's really crazy up there and it's not fun at all but um I had a really good weather window for those so I didn't have any type 2 fun up there but I have before off the AT so I know what it's like <laughs> but yeah now I know you've you've done the uh you've done Mount Katahdin many times but uh at this point as you're finishing up your hike you know you're at the culmination of 2200 plus miles uh this incredible accomplishment did you have uh, different emotions as you're you're climbing up Katahdin this this time at the end of the AT? Yeah, so the mountain at that point was all, already like very very special to me. So the fact that I had just hiked the entire AT, it kind of felt like everything had come around full circle because Katahdin is what um sparked that interest for me of doing the trail. So when I got back there and after, you know, hiking the whole thing, it felt surreal. It didn't feel like it was actually happening. I was like, there's, how did I just hike the whole AT and now I'm here, I'm back here and it's happening. And, um, yeah, I remember getting up to the gateway or sorry, the tablelands. So 
above treeline, when you come over that crest and you can see the summit, like a mile away, two miles away. And I just, yeah, broke down crying and it was <laughs> very sentimental being like, oh my gosh, there is that sign that I am so familiar with. I love it so much. And it's right there. That's the end of the 2,200 miles. I did it. Like I'm almost there. It's, it was crazy. Um, it just made it even more special. And did, did your parents meet you there at the end? They met me at Katahdin Stream Campground. So they stayed at the campground, but I went up, I went up with actually a couple of <laughs> teachers from my high school, but they ended up not making it. So I went by myself from like the tablelands to the summit, but had some company along the way. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Now, what would, what would, uh, moxie at the top of katahdin at the end of the appalachian trail what would, what would that moxie whisper into the ear of the moxie just starting out towards springer mountain six months previous what what advice would you give yourself look in hindsight oh man it's gonna sound cliche but just saying like you did it or just like keep going just keep walking even even when it hurts, even when it sucks, just keep going. That's all you can do, really. Okay. And then what what uh your next adventure, next big adventure was the Colorado Trail two two years later. Mm -hmm. Right. And why did you pick the Colorado Trail? I have this weird obsession with Colorado. <laughs> I feel like any hiker does, but I was gonna go to college there. So I had gone to Colorado in 2018 and toured some schools and we did all the touristy things. We went to like Rocky Mountain National Park and I literally just fell in love with everything about Colorado. And so after the AT, I started looking at other trails. I knew I couldn't do a long one. So I was looking at shorter ones and I saw the Colorado trail and I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. It's only 500 miles, that's about a month. And I love Colorado. I want to see more of it. I don't want to do the touristy things. I just want to hike through Colorado and see all the mountains. So um, that's why I decided to do that one. And I'm very glad that I did. What were some of the highlights of the Colorado Trail? The best moments out there? The views. Literally just the... <laughs> it is breathtaking it, compared to the AT. Oh my gosh. It was insane. And the terrain, it was so much more flat, smooth sailing. There were some harder um, sections, but there was no like rock scrambling or climbing rocks like on the AT. And you didn't usually go like straight up a mountain like you do on the AT. So it was a lot more relaxing, <laughs> but definitely, yeah, the, the scenery, the wildlife, the, the pikas, and the marmots, I love seeing those. I cried when I first saw a pika because they're so cute and small. <laughs> um, and then the marmots are usually just chubby and they like sun sunbathe on rocks and stuff. And it was just completely different from New England. It was, yeah, one extreme to the other pretty much. Yeah, a lot of pikas and marmots in the Sierras as well yeah. on the PCT. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so... In terms of your gear, uh, did you change make a lot of changes to your gear between the AT and the and the Colorado Trail? Yeah, pretty much everything. Everything. Um, I got, 
Yeah. <laughs> I got a new pack. I switched to a hyper hyperlight. I was mm -hmm. using a ULA on the this AT. And then I switched to a hyperlight. I got my hammock gear quilt and my Z Packs duplex tent. So cut quite a bit of weight there. And I still use like the same brand of water filter and bottles and stuff, but everything else, little things like got a new battery pack and um new clothes, new shoes. But right. yeah. Do you, do you have any idea what your base weight was on the AT? The AT, I believe it was around 25 pounds. Okay. And what was your base weight on the Colorado? It was 14. Okay. That's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. I think it was because on the AT, I started out with quite a bit of cold gear. Like I had a fleece on top of my puffy and then my 20 degree synthetic sleeping bag and um, just some other random things that I ended up getting rid of. I don't really remember now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah. Now, now Kaylin, in the intro, I talked about how you, you hiked the AT and your life had changed forever. Do you <laughs> feel that way? That the that there that was a turning point in your life and you're on a, a yeah. new trajectory? Yeah, for sure. In in what way? Tell tell us about that. Well, I think if I hadn't have done the trail, I wouldn't I wouldn't be a dirtbag. I wouldn't be hiker trash. I wouldn't have such a desire to go hike long trails and adventure. Um, yeah, it just, something like that definitely changes your life. Kind of. Um, I met so many people, the experiences that I had out there were insane. It just, it was very, <laughs> it's hard to describe but they're not, they're like not experiences that you can just have in everyday life. It's a very big thing to go through and to accomplish. And so after I did that, I just had this, <laughs> I just wanted to go hike more trails <laughs> because I fell in love with it and just hiking, um, backpacking and stuff and living with everything that you need on your back. It's very simple and rewarding it's a you feel very accomplished when you do it and just getting to go to a different place every single day see new things every single day it's so much fun <laughs> it's it's way better than just living the same day every day working and paying bills and stuff um adulting. so it's definitely yeah adulting <laughs> and I think the fact that I did it at such a young age is part of the reason why it had such a big impact on me because I didn't really know how to be an adult at that point. Like I had no experience of living on my own or having, you know, an adult job or paying bills, anything. I was just like fresh out of high school and went on this crazy adventure. And so that kind of set the tone for me as an adult, I guess, because now I just still have that sense of adventure and I'm, <laughs> I want to go do all these fun things. <laughs> what advice would you give to any young women listening to this podcast right now about, uh, you know, they're thinking about doing something like this, but they're, they're nervous. They, they don't have the experience. They, uh, they've never done something like this before. What advice would you give them? It's not as scary as it seems. You kind of just have to, you have to put yourself out there. You have to go for it and 
you'll realize that it's not as scary as it sounds. Um, I know there have been a lot of times where aside from the AT, I have been scared to go do something by myself. But once I'm out there doing it, I realize, oh, like this is way better than I thought it was going to be. And I'm totally capable of doing this. Um, I think a lot of women think it's dangerous to go out by themselves. It's not. It's it's so much safer than like going out into the city or by yourself. Like I, I felt more safe on the AT than I do here in Portland walking around the city. So um, I really don't think there's a lot to be afraid of other than just like typical hazards <laughs> like wildlife and being injured or something. But yeah, it's just, I want to like <laughs> inspire other women that are mm-hmm. trying to go do something like that by themselves to feel confident to do that. Cause once you right. do do it, you just feel very accomplished and you have more confidence in yourself and being independent. It's, it's a great feeling. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for doing a trail that goes 2,200 miles or doing a trail <laughs> that goes from Mexico to Canada. I mean, yeah. if you do something like that, I mean, the sky's the limit. You can do anything. Yeah. That's kind of how it feels, especially when you first finish. <laughs> right. Now we, you mentioned wildlife uh, just a minute ago. Any, any wildlife encounters on the Colorado trail? No, not really. No, okay. I didn't see, I didn't see bears. I saw some deer and on the first day there were some bighorn sheep in the, the Canyon when you first start, but they're not, they're harmless mm-hmm. and then all the pika and marmots are harmless so no yeah. nothing crazy do you have any any through hikers either male or female that you look up to out there maybe some some well-known folks out there who have youtube channels or instagram feeds you know showcasing what they've done yeah um i mean all of the, the most popular ones i think everybody knows like dixie and um the people from the trek and uh, what's his name? <laughs> I'm drawing a blank again. <laughs> I used to I used to follow a lot of through hikers, popular ones that were posting a lot of content. Mm-hmm. But the past year or two, I've kind of I don't know. I you haven't Jupiter. Jupiter. Jupiter hikes. I've heard I've heard the name, but I don't think I've watched much of okay. their content. Ib Tat, yes, I did watch some of him. Ib Tat and um, oh Darwin, obviously. <laughs> yep. Right. How about I, Jeff Garmar? Never heard that one. Oh, Jeff Garmar! You got to check out Jeff Garmar. He is <laughs> he's a hilarious character. His trail name is Legend. Okay. Yeah, he did um, the calendar year triple crown. Oh wow! As well as the Great Western Loop. Oh my God. A handful of people have done the Great Western Loop. He's done the Barkley Marathons, and he mm-hmm. just had a a documentary made about him, his Colorado Trail FKT, oh, uh, that was released in in Denver two nights ago. Oh my gosh! I'll have to yeah. watch that. Yeah, Jeff Garmire, G A R M I R E, legend. He's uh he's really fun. He's been on the podcast four times. You listen to those episodes too. He's just he's hilarious. Oh my gosh! Have you heard of Tip Tap? <laughs> No. Elena Osborne, tip tap. She's a Kiwi. Oh, 
from New Zealand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, oh my God. I love her videos. That's She's so cool. awesome. Yeah. If I, if I made YouTube videos about my hikes, it would be that kind of style. The way that she tells stories in her videos. Yeah. So amazing. So emotional. Yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of Tip Tap and New Zealand, I understand you've got some things on your bucket list, including a <laughs> hike in New Zealand. Yeah, I really want to do that trail. I don't even know how to pronounce it. A Tirora? It's close. That's close enough. Yeah, I butchered every time I I, uh, <laughs> I try to pronounce it as well. So I just abbreviated to the, the TA. The TA, yeah. That's TA. a good yeah. yeah. And I then also the, is it the Pyrenean Hout, Hout route? I just call it the Pyrenees High Route. <laughs> Pyrenees High Route. Okay. Pyrenean, Pyrenean, Pyrenean. We'll just, do it, we'll just do it in English. Not, not try the. I, uh, I'll, oh wait, a high route through the Pyrenees. There you go. Okay. All right. Any <laughs> um, aspiration yeah. to do the the Continental Divide Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail? Yeah, I, I was actually planning the PCT for next year with a friend, but, um. It's, I don't know if I can afford a long one so soon, but I do definitely want to do both of those at some point. Mm -hmm. Now tell, our, tell people, our listeners, how much does it cost to do a through hike? I mean, you're out there living on basically nothing. So how could it be, how could it be so expensive? What does it cost? It costs like on average, I think around a thousand dollars a month. That's what I spent on the AT. It was around $5,000, mostly because of food. You go into town. Um, you eat at restaurants, you get hotels, you do laundry, you resupply your food. So you do groceries pretty much and you eat a lot as a hiker. So you have to get a lot of food, uh, transportation, lodging with hostels, um, all that, all that fun stuff, gear, gear replacement. Yeah. <laughs> Mailing now, stuff. Now the AT is, is very much a town adjacent trail. There's a lot of towns that are real close to the, the trail not so much in like uh in the west and on the pct or in, the, in on the cdt right i mean there's it's a little more isolated on those two trails yeah i don't know much about the pct as far as towns i know on the ct when it it shared a shared trail with the cdt for like 200 miles or so um but i felt like the towns were still pretty close together we only went like for four or five days on average between towns, which isn't very long. Mm -hmm. um, and they were pretty easy to get to. Of course, they didn't go right through, the, like the trail didn't go right through town like the AT did with some towns, but um, it was always easy to find rides or hitches. Okay. Yeah. Any interesting hitch stories? On the Oh, gosh. I, I have a few. I'm trying to remember um there was one coming from the notch hostel in new hampshire on the at a guy he was he seemed kind of crazy i don't really know what was going on but he had a really small car and there was a whole bunch of stuff in the back seat um but the three of us i was with two other people we needed a ride so we squished in there and I was like sitting on top of a pile of stuff in the back seat. <laughs> it was so unsafe and he was kind of sketchy. I didn't really trust him, but I felt safer because I was with two people and he, yeah, he 
he drove us to the trail and it ended up being fine, but it was kind of scary. And then there was one time that I hitched by myself and I don't remember much of the experience. Oh, wait, it was in New York. All I remember was being terrified the whole time. I was like, I'm never, I'm never hitching alone again. This is scary. (laughs) I felt like the closer we got to town, I was worried that he was just going to like keep driving past town and like not let me out or something. (laughs) And was was he saying, was he saying creepy things or was he just completely silent or what? uh... I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't silent, but he was just asking weird questions and I didn't really know how to answer. Not so weird, but like, a little too much, I guess. Just, yeah, being a little creepy. Um, but. <laughs> okay. You made it. Made though. it. Made you it. Made it. <laughs> hey, Moxie, you know where we are? Where? The pro tip inside of the week. That's right. That's right, Half Calf. It's time for the pro tip inside of the week where Moxie gets to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what advice do you have for our listeners? Oh man. I feel like I need to narrow, narrow it down a little bit. Um, anytime I try to think of advice, I just think of what I said earlier about women trying to go out there by themselves. I mean, even if you're a guy and you're scared to go out by yourself, just just go for it. I know this sounds hard, but you'll meet people along the way and you'll have all these crazy emotional moments by yourself. You'll be able to just yeah, kind of like discover more things about yourself that you didn't know and have type two fun. <laughs> but yeah, kind of just, okay. just go for it. Don't be, don't be afraid or be afraid, but go for it. And then you won't be as afraid as you go. (laughs) Be afraid, but don't, but don't, don't let that stop you. Yeah. Don't let it stop you. Get out there and do it. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Moxie. Want to thank her for joining us this week. Moxie, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah, I mostly use Instagram and that my username is um, the little at symbol and then Kaylin, K-A-Y-L-I-N dot J dot B. Kaylin dot J dot B. And I have have a YouTube channel, but I only have like a couple of videos on there from the AT and Katahdin, I think. And I think it's just my name. If you search Kaylin Brown and Appalachian Trail, I think I pop up. <laughs> okay. Kaylin Brown. Yeah. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. No TikTok account yet, Moxie? I have a TikTok account. I only have one or two videos. Um, but I mostly just watch. I watch things on there. I don't really post. <laughs> okay. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation.
All right, Kaylin. I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of outdoor adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail in the off season. We call this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Was there anything that you watched or read leading up to the AT that you think was a really good read that people should? Um, Oh my gosh. I didn't prepare for this. Oh no. I'm I'm like looking at my books over there. Um, Okay. I don't have any good books. (laughs) I wasn't much of a book reader. Any documentaries? Might have to cut this part out. (laughs) (laughs) I am so bad at thinking of things. I've watched so many documentaries. Um, Did you watch The Alpinist? I did. I did that was watch pretty good. that. Um, I, I really liked it was Dixie's documentary about the AT. And then um Alina. Alina Osborne, tip tap. Yeah. Tip tap. Um she made a documentary, I think, about like the people of through hiking. She I think it was, yeah, it was about the PCT, but she made a documentary about people in the community. And that one was really, really special. And it like hit me in the heart. Yeah, <laughs> in you, the you, can't, you can't go wrong watching Tip Tap's YouTube account. So that's, yeah. that's a good one. That's a yeah. Good one. You could like binge watch her videos and they're basically like little movies. Mm-hmm. They're not just typical YouTube videos. Right. That's a, that's yeah. a good recommendation right there. What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What did we, we miss tonight? Uh, hmm. Do you miss any good stories? Good stories. Ones that you tell over and over again at family gatherings. In fact, when they see you coming, they they head the other way. <laughs> we're gonna hear another hiking story mostly i mostly just talk about what i'm doing now which is just hiking the 4ks of new hampshire and maine mm-hmm. i every time i see family members are like so what have you been hiking now or when was your last hike and i'm like oh a couple days ago and they're like what did you hike <laughs> and they're like you're crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so anytime doing, I have a day off. <laughs> so you're doing all of the the 4K 4Ks in in New Hampshire? Yeah, there are 48 of them and then in Maine there are 14 and uh-huh. Vermont there are 5. So I have I've done the Maine ones and then I have four left to do of the New Hampshire. And then I'll do the Vermont Vermont ones and then it'll be the New England 67 they call it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's kind of been like my obsession this year. So that's kind of what everyone hears about nowadays from me. <laughs> I'm just well, like, nice New Hampshire, New Hampshire. Good, <laughs> Good luck with that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Kaylin? Friends and family. Obviously, my parents for uh-huh. <laughs> being the parent of parents of the year when I was doing the AT and CT. And just all the people that have supported me along the way. I mean, they know who they are. Close friends, people on social media that have always kept in touch. Um, trail family. Yeah. 
everyone that I, everyone okay. that I know. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. Doesn't care if you want to go downhill. Doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if your parents just dropped you off in the middle of the woods <laughs> and you're crying and they're crying and it's a complete mess and disaster. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Yes. Embrace the suck. Thank <laughs> you.